everyone, and welcome to the Vintage Collection podcast. This episode is being recorded with video on the Victoria's Cantina YouTube channel. In episode 24, we have a special edition of the show in which we are joined by one of the very people who helps make Star Wars the Vintage Collection possible. In the last few years, she's become an ever-present and reputable part of the Hasbro Star Wars team, appearing on live events such as Hasbro PulseCon and fansite Q&As. I've had the privilege of chatting with her at events such as San Diego Comic-Con and Star Wars Celebration. This episode's special guest is Hasbro Star Wars, the Vintage Collection Senior Product Designer, Emily Cantaloupe. Emily, welcome to the TVC Podcast. Thank you for having me, Victoria. I'm like, wow, I'm reputable now. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> you are. You totally are. Well, it's always an honor, and I, I love getting to work on this line and with this fabulous community. Um, thank you for having me to chat about it. Absolutely. Um, so Emily, I think we first chatted about doing something like this like a year and a half ago. I think it was a Star Wars celebration. It's taken a bit, but I'm glad we finally were able to work it out. And uh, I know you're super busy. So thank you for making the time. I agree. I'm so glad we got to um, touch base here and, and have this chat. I, I agree. It can take a while to arrange, but it's going to be awesome. Absolutely. All right. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about your background um, as a Star Wars fan, as a designer with Hasbro. Uh, we'll have some random Star Wars questions to ask, and then we'll get into uh, the, the vintage collection and uh, focus on that for a bit, too. Um, so I want to start off. I'm pretty sure anyone tuning into this show, uh, this specific show, knows who you are. But for those who might be living under a rock in the Jundlin Wastes, uh, can you please provide some background on who you are and what it is exactly that you do at Hasbro? Sure. So I'm Emily Cantaloupe, and I'm a senior product designer with Hasbro. I've been there 14 years, and it's been a fantastic journey for me in toy design. Um, yeah, the design side, you you might think that we um, just draw it once, but actually we're involved through the entire process of the product development, and it's just a blast. Nice. Yeah, that, that sounds really cool. It's very fascinating. It's always great to talk to people that are like, you know, there in the trenches, you know, making the decisions, you know, doing the work that, you know, we see a final product, you know, but, you know, you're behind the scenes doing all that. So that's really cool. Um, so what I'm wondering is what are the different um, roles of action figure designers? Because I know there's like, I've heard of like sculptors or, or are they necessarily the same people as those who are like the articulation engineers and, and so forth? Hmm, that's a great question. So it really takes the whole pack and it's so many partners who have a niche area. And I would say actually a designer is often the one that brings the whole team and together working with each of those partners um, because we'll, we'll kick it off at a concept stage after vetting like character selections, both internally and with Lucasfilm, who are awesome partners. They'll inform us sort of what is the new entertainment beat for the year and what's the new news um, and so it's it's working with those partners with Lucasfilm at a concept stage. Then I would say next up is working with the sculpture team and they're incredible. They're so talented and they'll just crush it on a sculpt and design will continue to work with them and kind of back and forth on aesthetic and stuff like that. Our um, initial meeting will also be with the engineer who'll get involved in, you know, how much articulation, how many parts we're molding, um, overall cost. So that's um, an in-depth step with engineering. And so the three of us, I would say, are daily collaborators with sculpture, engineering, and design, just everyday meeting, everyday um, reviewing the stages of every product. So we're tight-knit. And then I would say next, after a sculpt is approved, it's our 
model shop team and they'll do the hand painting of the first deco model. We'll send that deco model over to Lucasfilm for approval. Um, that's just amazing to see them paint up a perfect little, perfect little um, hand painted replica of the product. And uh -huh. so I'll pick colors. We'll see, you know, I'll go back and forth with the paint team to see if they look quite right. Oh, let's maybe darken that one. Um, so that's a great collaboration. Then next up, you know, it's working with the packaging team and they have team members who will design the structure of the box is what we'll call it. So structure would be like, what size is the package? Just have a card back, that kind of stuff. And then a graphics team who designs what we print on the package. So they're super talented. And then last stage, I would say it's back to marketing team. And so we'll be doing photo shoots for their reveal photos um, and our dorky live streams. <laughs> and then we get <laughs> to reveal it to you. So it's it's a huge pack um, and a whole community of toy makers. And it's so inspiring. Everybody is elevating each other and inspiring each other. Um, a whole pack of creatives like that is just awesome. That is super cool and super fascinating. How long does this whole process take from the time you say, hey, let's make this figure? And then by the for the time that we see it at, in on the shelf, how long does that whole process take about? Sure. It takes a little longer than a year, I'd say. Um, and those schedules keep changing as like global shipping keeps changing. So I think it's longer than a year now. It used to be a year. So um it's it's something where we are always cranking at our our own top speed, but that's for something that's gonna come out in a while because they've mm -hmm. got to mass produce. Right on. So you're obviously a Star Wars fan. Um, tell us a bit about how you found Star Wars and what it means to you as a fan, a collector, and ultimately a maker of Star Wars toys. Sure. Um, so Star Wars for me was just, that's an introduction that happened as my dad introduced me to the movies. So I am daughter of the ultimate geek dad. So when I was a kid, he introduced me to the original trilogy of Star Wars films, to Lord of the Rings, um, with his old yellowed paperbacks to um, to Indiana Jones and then, um, you know, Isaac Asimov and Ray Bradbury. And we would watch X-Files together, even though it like terrified me, but it was fun. Um, so just definitely my on-ramp was watching and enjoying stuff with my dad. So that was really special. And I, I love any fan family who gets to share that together between the generations. I think that's the most inspiring way that Star Wars stays within a family. So that was really special to me. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to see that. It's great to see that it's generational and, you know, everybody hands it down and it continues hopefully forever. Um, now, I imagine that it that it might, but has working and has been more specifically working on on TVC um, changed your life in any significant ways. Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, I mean, I have worked on, you know, toys for much longer than I've worked on Star Wars, but Star Wars has been different. I would say, um, you know, moving around, I've, I've made a lot of different types of product and every new challenge, I always say it adds a tool to my toolbox. Now I have more experience and a new thing. Um, so really jumping onto Star Wars was more of my introduction into specifically high articulated action figures which was something that I'd collected before, but something that I, it was really exciting to get to try. So um, that's been really fun to do through the Star Wars team. And even on Star Wars, I've worked for, you know, everything from preschool age to, um, you know, adult collector. I've worked on, you know, figures, vehicles, play sets, role play, plush, plush, you can see them behind me. <laughs> so it's, 
it's a blast. Star Wars it, in itself has so much variety. Whereas, you know, previous brands that I'd worked on were all one thing. Star Wars has multitudes. So it's, it's fantastic right. to get to work on it. Um, yeah. I would say too, just personal like Hasbro journey is I was very introverted when I joined the company and I'd call myself like a learned extrovert. So a really interesting and exciting aspect has been the way the company's evolved to do live streams. So, you know, at first that was actually really scary for me, but um, I would say, I feel like I've caught my stride just trying to speak with authenticity and talk like I'm talking to a friend about toys. So it's gotten more comfortable for sure. That's awesome. I would certainly identify as a learned um, extrovert as well, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you want to become that, you know, just do some live streams, you know, get on the internet and have fun. Just jump into the scary thing. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, what would you say that you like best about being the senior product designer on TVC? Sure. Best about it. Um, I would say TVC itself has a really interesting community. So, you know, previously making toys for kids, they're not on the internet talking about them. So you kind of make a toy and you would send it off into the ether. But through Vintage Collection, it's such an interesting, engaged, and involved, and amazing community that we get to see the feedback. We get to learn from the feedback. We get to apply it. So I feel like through the vocal and amazing aspects of this community of Vintage Collection fans and all of their heritage, all of their decades of collecting, I'm learning more, you know, as we chat with you guys and I'm, I'm able to take a learning and immediately apply it. And I think that's really pretty exhilarating as a designer, that feedback loop is, is great for us. We, we definitely want to keep hearing from you guys because it's very informative. Nice. Well, yeah, that, that is true. There's certainly a lot of passion out there and, you know, everybody expresses it differently. Um, And yeah, I know you're getting a lot of that, that focus and attention. So thank you for dealing with all of us. No worries. I mean, we're definitely also filtering, but um, it's it's fantastic to hear what you guys think because that's who we're building it for. To have that direct connection to audience is amazing for a product nice. person. Nice. Well, we certainly appreciate it. Um, all right. So now I have some random Star Wars questions to ask you. So please feel free to answer however you like. All sure. right. First one. What is your favorite Star Wars film? Mm, I think um, it's got to be movies first of all Star Wars content and my favorite film would be Empire. So everything from the love story to the battles, um, Empire is pinnacle for me personally. And it has to be original trilogy. Again, that's where I started. At modern era, I mean, Rogue One is pretty unbeatable. Nice. <laughs> Rogue One felt like original Star Wars. It was gritty. It was underdog story. Um, those, those are probably my top two. Awesome. Um, cool. Um, who do you say is your favorite Star Wars character? Oh, my favorite. My favorite Star Wars character is Ahsoka. So, and I, before she was all the rage right now, <laughs> long time Ahsoka fan. Um, or maybe she's always been all the rage. But uh, I actually, I remember seeing the Clone Wars movie in the theater. And I was thrilled that there was a new Padawan who was female and seeing her her Star Wars story. She, she was interesting at first. It was a lot of nicknames. <laughs> she was quirky when she hit yes. the scene. But then being able to watch seven seasons of Clone Wars and her journey and her literally her growing up, it became just like this fascinating story to watch her character 
evolve and face different challenges and fail sometimes and work through that. I, you know, she's definitely had so much screen time and so much just evolution as a character. Mm-hmm. And then to see Rosaria Dawson bring her into live action um, has just been fantastic. Seeing that character come to life in that new additional way. So yeah. I, I was, I was geeking out and like crying a little during the Ahsoka show. Right. I was very excited. Awesome. Uh, I can certainly relate to that. Um, if you could live on any planet in Star Wars, uh, what would it be? Oh my gosh, any planet. I mean, I would say the forest moon of Endor and its um, little little tree houses looks like a very cool outdoor camp. I mean, nobody wants to like freeze to death on Hoth. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna, we're not going to pick Hoth and, you know, sand, that gets everywhere. <laughs> so yeah, let's call it forest moon of Endor. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, would you rather have a drink at the cantina with Hammerhead or prepare Palpatine's agenda with Similu? Oh, drink with Hammerhead. I mean, what kind <laughs> of stories does that Athorian have to tell us? You know, yeah. like what? where has he been? What stuff has he been through? So I would drink with Hammerhead. Also, you know, that cantina is a great like sit in the back booth and watch the drama. <laughs> absolutely a locale so yeah i think i'd have to drink with hammerhead for sure nice yeah i would certainly teleport there out of anywhere in star wars um okay finish the sentence my lightsaber color would be Mm. blue it's like favorite color and it would be more of like an aqua kind of blue nice how about you what's yours you know, I, I would kind of, so back during the, the Force Unleashed days, you know, like 2008, there were customizable lightsabers in that game. And one of the things you could do was put a blue crystal and a green qu- crystal and get like an aqua color. And I thought it was really nice. So I might go that route. Aqua blades for the win then. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and finally, pick one, the Millennium Falcon, the Ghost, or the Outrider. Millennium Falcon, the Ghost, or the Outrider. I mean, the ghost is huge and implies that you've got like a whole crew with you. The Falcon, you know, does have the speed and all of the, you know, little areas to like store all of your stolen goods. I'm going to go Falcon. It's just classic. It's got the speed. It's got the storage. It's got the tricky little hatches. um, And it's, it's shape is just fantastic. It's iconic. Of course, you can't go wrong with the Falcon. Good choice. All right. So we're going to get into our talk uh, of the Vintage Collection. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, the Vintage Collection, I mean, obviously this is a line that, like we were saying, is fueled by tremendous passion. Um, you know, you have collectors who have been in the hobby since day one, 1978, Absolutely. you know, we're there for the early bird kit and they're still doing it today. Uh, there's people like me who were born after the OT, but, you know, introduced through what we call the modern Star Wars toy line, like the Power of the Force 2 Uh, And then you have newer fans who may have been introduced during the prequels, during the Clone Wars uh, and beyond. Um, And, you know, some people, they're collect them all. Some are one to open, one to keep carded. Some are a little more selective. Uh, There's there's all kinds of collectors. But I think what they all have in common is that everybody has opinions and specific demands uh, from the vintage collection. Um, So as someone on the team who is who is part of the decision making processes, um, how do you field all these demands and uh, what most influences the the decisions your team comes to with regards to, you know, what figures should we make? Oh, sure. 
So when it comes to requests of the fan audience, um, often I'm acting as a filter and, you know, reviewing all of the stuff that's, you know, the chatter going on online. And when I filter it, I'll take, you know, the comment that I see a lot of times, the comment that's broad in its scope, and I see lots of people, you know, feeling the same way, and I'll elevate that to my team. Um, when it's something that's maybe kind of a one-off request, you know, and it's not like ringing out from the full, um, you know, audience, then maybe I'll filter it out a little more. Um, so it's it's a little bit like, uh, you know, doing a bracket in my own head. <laughs> you know, when I'll be like, I've seen this a bunch, and I think I'll elevate that. Um, so that's a little bit of, um, you know, just the buzzword for marketing. We call it the social listening. So that's kind of watching out for what the what the chatter is online. And I'm, I'm very often, um, I'm not a big commenter, I'm more of a lurker. So I'm often like checking in, what's going on, looking through all the threads on, on various sites. Um, mm -hmm. And it's really fun to see, you know, what's, what's resonating for people, what they want more of, what they want less of. So yes. that's very informative for us. Right on, social listener, I like that. Yeah. That's a cool term. Um, Nice. So I imagine you are keeping an eye on last figure standing. Uh, you know, it's the initiative put through by various fan sites um, in the community. How important are programs like this and, and like March Madness uh, with regards to how they influence Hasbro's decisions? Sure. So these are wonderfully important that the, you know, the community of the vintage collection, again, raises their voices and votes and is able to show us, you know, you know, this is the most wanted thing from the community. Of course, we can't, you know, promise that we're going to make things in that order or as requested. You know, we we also are balancing when we build our toy plans so that you may also see that like a couple years later um, because of how far ahead we're planning things. So you may not see it all immediately. You may not see each one, but it's a great way for us to be able to, you know, comb through and say, look, this is highly voted by the fan audience and something they really want. So I, I watched the live stream um, of the the ten figure reveal for last figure standing. I was I was right there watching it, and um, it's it's super exciting to see what you guys you know want the most in that way. And um, it's funny. I always want to vote. I want to vote in the March Madness and in the last figure standing, but I also have to keep that under key, you know. So I I can't vote public, but I'm always making my own little lists at home. <laughs> nice. I love it. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's super cool. I, I love that, you know, this is a community that can come together and do things like this and, you know, everybody cooperates Helpful. and participates. It's really cool. Cue, cue me making a PowerPoint later, like, do you see? <laughs> I have proof. <laughs> nice. Um, you know, collectors associate the vintage collection with detail, with quality. And, you know, over the last 45 years that Star Wars action figures have existed, uh, the technology has advanced, uh, things have improved. You know, you take a figure from the vintage days to Power of the Force 2 to the 30th anniversary collection to the TVC today. And it's an evolutionary process, you know, that these figures have gone through over all that time. Um, and it, especially in recent years, like the, the detail and quality of a TVC figure is, is, has evolved into something miraculous. Like I applaud you and the team's efforts, you know, to in dialing in the head sculpts and the likenesses and changing the hip joints for the better, uh, other advances in, in articulation and soft goods, like all of that is, is phenomenal. And, you know, we, we love to see that, um, and, you know, because fans do associate TVC with that, you know, uber high level of, of quality and, and detail, 
Um, and especially as prices have increased as of late, you know, there's that ongoing hope that, you know, that that detail and that quality will stabilize and, and hopefully continue to evolve. Um, and I think it's for that reason that with regards to some of the more recent figures, and I guess I can use some examples like the Imperial Officers, Darth Revan, HK-87, uh, it seems like some of the range of movement on the elbows has has regressed just a little bit uh, compared to like a year ago, two years ago. Uh, is that for, um, is there any specific reasoning behind that? Or can you shed some light as to those recent changes with uh, elbow movement? Sure. Yeah, I saw this comment online and I would say that um, in Star Wars, you know, even more than other lines where the costumes are more homogenous, every costume is very different. And we'll have characters that'll have really large thick arms and characters that have a slim fit, you know, arm design and sleeve design. I would say that the officer has much more of a slim sleeve. So I think that's one where maybe we could have just lengthened the pin to get a little farther, but it's something that we'll look out for in the future. We're always learning and improving and certainly not an intention for that to be a norm, but rather just a quirk of that specific costume that time. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I'm sure it's a balance of, you know, likeness and, you know, yeah. silhouette and then incorporating all those those joints in there. You know, I'm sure that there's a lot, lot behind uh, behind the scenes that involves the decision making process. Yeah. Um, and also the work of our team, our sculptors, our, you know, manufacturing partners. So, again, many hands on something. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're all striving together to make it the best we can. And that's feedback we'll take in the future. Awesome. Uh, let's talk about troop builder packs. Like I, I loved when these were announced, like the stormtroopers, the shore troopers, the phase one clone troopers, the rebel fleet troopers, like, you know, great format. Uh, that's something that, you know, I've always built my armies. Like, I don't know if you, how well you can see, but I have like the, uh, the clone turbo tank over here with a bunch of clones from the last like 20 years or so. Uh, that's one of my favorite segments to collect is like clone wars, clones, battle droids, all that stuff. Um, and, you know, the, they're really neat. Uh, what I have seen on some of the more recent ones is that there are more named characters in there, like the, the 212th um, Battalion, the Imperial Officers, the upcoming Night Trooper pack. Those feature like a named character plus uh, additional, uh, just generic, more generic troopers. Um, it, was there a rationale behind that? Is, is that kind of meant to appeal more to like a wider audience or, or is there a different reason that that formula has kind of changed a little bit? Sure. So I would say it's a formula we've mostly followed since the origin of these troop building packs, but we've definitely seen the notes from the community that they're wishing for more of the generic characters and less of named characters. So that's something we'll be considering for the future um, and that we're taking and, and keeping in mind. But I mean, um, for, for current packs, you know, some of the thinking has been, you know, have a leader of all these grunts and also maybe bring in more, you know, purchasing audience with a character who's unique and that we haven't done before. So that's been um, some of the, the inspiration behind that. As well, I would say that our recent uh, clone pack, some of it was that, you know, we have this newly tooled clone body and, you know, we want to be able to update and re-release clones that we've done in the past, but we were like, oh man, that's going to be a lot of clones to re-release when they've already kind of had them and this is more of an upgrade so that is why the newest clone pack was kind of like a 
everybody at once, instant army, siege of Mandalore. Mm. So um, I, we did hear, though, back that that may be difficult to collect multiple factions. So we're taking in all of that, um, you know, feedback from the community, and we'll keep it in mind for future. Nice. That was actually going to be one of my questions was, uh, was yeah, how it's how it's uh, structured with the three different, uh, the 501st, the 332nd, and then the all-white trooper. Uh, and they look great. Like We're this, just this... trying not to exhaust you if we've done it before, but we definitely hear the feedback that that's tougher to collect. So yeah, yeah. So we'll keep tuning that in. Awesome. Well, appreciate that. Like, you know, I, I definitely feel like if it were all 501st, like it could potentially be like one of the biggest selling like army builder packs. Uh, I would buy a bunch of them. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, uh, it looks a little bit better now. I don't know. Did you guys make some changes to the helmet or, cause it looks like it has a different sculpt than the previous release. Sure. Our newest clone pack is a brand new sculpt for the helmet and it is a solid helmet with no portrait underneath. Mm, okay. That's my personal preference. I think yeah, you can, the proportion looks a little bit better that way. Um, yeah. and yeah, the visor looks, looks improved. So that's awesome. I love it when you guys, you know, like you were saying, take that feedback and, and, and make adjustments in, in the effort to improve and, and get, get things a little bit more where they should be. So thank you for, for, for doing that. Thank you. Um, we're always trying for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, the vintage collection is the vintage collection because it's the vintage collection. And I've, you know, I've said that many times before, and I think Jing told me that's a phrase that's been thrown around now at Hasbro. Um, and, you know, TVC is a really special line because it, it honors the traditional scale, uh, the world building heritage. And, um, you know, that's always been the basis for Star Wars toys for all these decades of its history. Um, with that said, there's more Star Wars content than ever before. And I know many fans um, wish you could make more. And there's certainly a case to be made that fans would support a bigger product line. Um, but with the limited slots that, that are available uh, for newly told figures each year, uh, I'm sure you share the sentiment that we are missing some critical figures that limit our ability to, to world build to some extent. Um, and I just like to ramble off a few names. Uh, Baze Malbis, Bodhi Rook, Dryden Voss, Kira, Finn, Poe and Palpatine from The Rise of Skywalker, uh, Balin Skull, Shin Hati, Cobb Vanth, the rest of the Inquisitors, the rest of the Bad Batch. Um, I know a few folks folks in the community uh, feel it's a little more frustrating uh, to have just one or two figures from, let, let's say, Andor or the Bad Batch than it is to have none at all because you can't really do a whole lot with them. Uh, and again, I know there's many factors that go into the decision-making process, but I just wanted to pass along that those, sentiment, those sentiments uh, in the hopes that you know this becomes less of an issue going forward. Sure. I do think it's been an accelerated time for Star Wars in a way that is both the best and also a little tough, but we would never wish for less. Um, Star Wars is blooming right now and has so much incredible content. That does mean that for us, it's quite a balancing game. So, you know, we're balancing both all of the amazing new content, which is multiple shows and, and stuff in a year, you know, video games, all that kind of content, as well as balancing that with the original trilogy and, and calling back to those movies and that original inspiration for Star Wars. So it's um, the character selection time is the toughest time. <laughs> I'm sure you guys would be fascinated to watch the meetings where we are, you know, ah, but would you really give up another for this one? <laughs> um, it can be painful, but we, we're doing our best to deliver the characters that rise to the top for everyone. So um, I, I would say for those troops and those, those, um, those characters where their their group hasn't been completed, the door is never closed. I know that the door can take 
a little while sometimes, but um, we're always, you know, paying attention to characters that are still rising to the top, still being asked for. And we've got great stuff in progress that I can't wait for you to see. Nice. Um, Awesome. Well, that's good to hear. And I don't envy being in that position because I know there's so many things to choose from. And, you know, do you redo something that's already been done, you know, fairly well or, you know, do something totally different? Like that's, I can't even imagine that's, that's gotta be pretty tough. It's it's pretty hard sometimes and we'll we'll get into it and back and forth and then need a third, third party, bring in a third party because we cannot decide between this and that. Right on. Um, I don't suppose you can comment too much on this, but I'm going to bring it up anyways. I apologize in advance. Um, as you may know, one of my personal passions and based on the last figure standing pools, one of the figures that you know fans really want are the Tonica sisters. Um, it's something I'm you know very hopeful eventually happens. Uh, it's something I've done extensive research into and, you know, spoken to various people and, um, you know, I'm still in touch with the one surviving actress that portrayed one of the sisters, Angela Staines. Um, and Angela knew that I was going to be uh, doing this today and she just wanted me to pass on that, you know, as she advances in age and and deals with a n- number of health problems that one of the things she would love to see is that, you know, those figures eventually do make it to fruition. Uh, at some point, and she does insist that she is 100% on board with with Hasbro, with Lucasfilm, and um, no questions asked. She's on board to cooperate uh, in any way to, to make that happen, and I know I know you guys are aware of that. I know Lucasfilm is aware of it, so not really a question. It's just something that I wanted to pass along because it has been almost half a decade since The New Hope, and it's time for Tonica. Sure. I have seen and I love your advocacy for the Tonica sisters and your connection with the surviving sister. It's really admirable. There's nothing, unfortunately, that I can share at this time. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Um, we love vehicles, small vehicles, medium-sized vehicles, big vehicles. You know, Star Wars is is blessed to have all <laughs> range of sizes of Star Wars vehicles. And many of those are very well represented in our collection from the last, you know, 26 or however long it's been years of almost 30 years, I guess now for, uh, since the power of the force too. Um, and, uh, lately there hasn't been a lot of like the mid range. We have like some of the smaller ones, like the speeder bikes, some of the bigger ones, like Boba Fett starship, the ghost, um, but not a whole lot, like in that middle range. Like we had like with the, the, uh, the rogue one, uh, tank fears back and the, um, the one from the Mandalorian, the Imperial tank as well. Um, I know you can't speak to specifics, but generally speaking, can fans expect that this mid-range assortment might return in some capacity? I would say, I mean, again, there's nothing I can share today that hasn't been announced, but we love vehicles too. I think you can see it from the Ghost and, you know, the Razor Crest, and we'll always keep cooking up fun stuff for you guys. Awesome. Um, and those small vehicles, uh, like the speeder bike, it's been a really fun format because um, we haven't had something until the last couple of years and, you know, in that size. And um, uh, someone wanted me to throw this out there. They wanted to remain anonymous, but they said you could repaint the speeder bike and you would have, um, uh, I guess, Stasa Lee's uh, speeder bike from uh, Revenge of the Sith just by repainting the existing one. So I wanted to pass that along. And also that, you know, that format is we love it. And, you know. If there was any way for you to do like Mandalorian swoops um, or other kinds of smaller things, maybe a revised land speeder, maybe smaller like type beasts, the community would be 100% for it. Fantastic. 
Uh, thank you for passing it on from the community. I'll also pass it to our vehicle master, Chris Reif. And um, yeah, again, we're, we're cooking up really fun stuff, but nothing I can share today. Awesome. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally understandable. Um, 2025, it's still, you know, some time away, but it is the anniversary. One of my favorite Star Wars films, Revenge of the Sith, uh, 20th anniversary. Um, and in the last episode of the TVC podcast, you know, we were talking about you know, what should, or what would we like as, as collectors, as fans for a 20th anniversary of Revenge of the Sith to look like in terms of the vintage collection? You know, we, we, spe- we gave all these ideas and had a discussion. And um, one thing that we noted was that, you know, Hasbro since 2005, when that movie first came out, has made so many vehicles that are just astounding. Even today, like the quality of them is, is, is really up there. Things like the Republic gunship, uh, which hasn't been on the market for you know a decade now. Things like the the turbo tank. Things like the ATTE. Even like some of the separatist uh, vehicles, like the Corporate Alliance tank droid, the droid gunship. Some of these command like a huge price in the aftermarket, um, and as a result of that, uh, we were talking about how you know, maybe we saw some of these again. They would kind of satiate a need in newer collectors' collections. And so what are the chances that Hasbro can look to the wealth of incredible vehicles from the past uh, as part of the uh, hopefully getting inspiration for Revenge of the Sith's 20th anniversary to come in a couple of years? Sure. I would say that when it comes to a re-release of a larger vehicle like that, it's always the most interesting to figure out how to plan to bring that to market. So, you know, we've had some success on larger items through the pulse lately, but at the end of the day, that becomes the bigger discussion around, um, especially I think re-releasing something that's larger and older and, you know, do they already have it? How many don't? So that's something that we would look at when we would, um, you know, evaluate that kind of request. But um, again, nothing I can share, but I'll pass on those um, fan wishes to Chris Rice. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Um, so as we wind down our conversation, I would like to ask you about other things that you collect. Um, I've seen your photos on Instagram and you seen have a variety of things, um, as do I. I like all, that, unfortunately, I, I say I like all, pretty much everything. I know. So I have a mask. Same. Yeah, it's, 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 it's over the top, really. Um, but can you tell us about other lines that you collect uh, and what kind of collector uh, you are? Sure. Um, I've got lines that I'm dedicated to, and then I've got another bucket of like, this caught my eye, which is dangerous. <laughs> also probably the too dangerous collector of so many things. This is nice and clean and Star Wars focused, but there are other areas of the house that are <laughs> wilder and a little more everything. I mean, I love, um, I love the new line of gargoyles. That was extremely nostalgic for me, all of those releases. I'm collecting the newest um, Lord of the Rings figures have been really great. I bought an Uruk High today, <laughs> the one named Lurk. Lurk. And um, so, I mean, there's lines that are, you know, things that align to my favorite old contents, um, video gaming figures, you know, I'm a sucker for anything and from some of my favorite top games. Um, I really liked a recent release of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Link and Zelda, and, you know, anything Mass Effect, I'm going to be a sucker for, so <laughs> wide world of gaming, um, and, and then little blind bags that might catch my eye for a little, little fun toy treat, um, it's all over, and it, it's everywhere from my top favorite science fiction shows and books and games to 
that's cute. That caught my eye. So yeah, it's, it's, um, it's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, no, it certainly is, but that that's great. And breath of the wild. It's amazing. Like I, even after all these months, <laughs> like I just can't get enough of it. Like I'm there like yes. trying to do everything in the game and it's just such a wealth of Absolutely. Fun. Zelda for life. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so what other, um, you know, you mentioned some of the things that you collect. Uh, are there any other fandoms that you're ma- majorly a part of or that you engage with? Mm, it's a good question. I'm probably not as fandom deep as many people go. Probably more fandom broad. So my attention is more all over the place to everything that I love and everything that I watch. Um, more that than a specific fandom and I would say more toy culture overall than than mm-hmm. a than specific and again I'm probably more of a lurker online so I love to I follow so many people and I love to see everything inspiring me um and take it all in and and all fandoms are super fun yeah definitely yeah there's so much great stuff out there and yeah I I similarly you know just like i was saying i like everything and you know i get absorbed into all these things and but hey it's it's all for the escapism it's all for the fun of it and i guess you know i I, i'd kind of like to ask you like like what 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 is it about collecting that that really inspires you or that that makes it worthwhile for you sure i mean i would say my favorite part of being a geek in general is that geeks love things which is also why I love the vintage collection community because you guys are so passionate. And I know sometimes it's like tough feedback, but you're so passionate and you love the toys. Um, I'm the same way. I I love to love things. (laughs) That's why being a geek fits so well with me. Um, You know, when it comes to the brands I love, it's just so fun that that escapism into that new world that you experience. Um, It's a blast. And that's so cheesy. I love to love things, but it's true. It's true about being a geek. No, it, it definitely is. I can vouch for that. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's something I've always done too. Like since I was a kid, like I've always just gravitated towards toys, even when video games were like becoming really big, like in the nineties, like different consoles and stuff. Like I was never really too much into that. I was more like about, you know, give me toys, you know, give me action figures and dinosaurs and anything that can really just spark my imagination and give me a shelf to, to set some ideas on and, and do, and I still do that, you know, to this day, obviously. So, you know, yeah, I mean, collection for me started even pre-toy, like my dad and I would also collect geodes on craft and then bring them all home in a pile and he'd crack each one. So, I mean, I have a long history of just the collection instinct to the find the best one, line them all up. Yes. Um, Super fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, I have been known to to stand in a in the eye of the toy aisle and just kind of examine two ninety nine point nine percent identical figures under very intense scrutiny until I can determine which is the better sample. <laughs> Me too. I'm definitely in the toy aisle. Like, Deco Ops are slightly better on this one than that one. Oh, but this third one, yeah, that one's got the best Deco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like, know it. <laughs> symptom of making toys myself that I'm like the perfectionist when I purchase. So OCD, so OCD, can't get past it. Um, yep. So um, finally, Emily, if you could make one Star Wars figure, something that is strictly an Emily want, not something anybody's necessarily asking for, just something that you would love to see made at some point, any figure at all, what would it be? 
Mm. Sorry, my camera is a little, there we go. So I think for me, and I can't announce anything, this isn't related to anything in progress, but I would love to make more of the big creatures of the Star Wars world. And so, you know, there's so many cool ones. There's so many scaly, fluffy, like all kinds of critters and aliens in the Star Wars world. And so I think if I got to just no holds barred make toys, I'd love to make Star Wars bigger creatures. So um, let me know in the comments. Does anybody else want that? What do you guys want for big creatures? Yeah, I want that. In fact, I'll tell you right now, I want a Sarlacc. I want a new Sarlacc. We have all these. We have all these awesome new Return of the Jedi, the Sail Barge, the Skiff, the the Jabba's Palace. We just need the. I think that's pretty much the last thing we really need. Really is, well is with the Sail Barge. Yeah, yeah, it would absolutely. It would. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey Emily, I'm tremendously grateful to you, uh, Hasbro and Rogers and Cowan, for the opportunity to feature you on the Vintage Collection podcast. I mean, as a fan, as a collector, as a content creator, I mean, I I can say that the accessibility that you guys. Uh, offer the fan community is enormously appreciated and you know thank you so much for engaging with the fan community and and not only on this show but through q a video sessions through the the conventions through all of it you know just thank you immensely no problem victoria and thank you for reaching out it's been fantastic to talk to you and to see the amazing collection behind you um this has been a blast and i mean i i'll toss in the last couple notes the rest of the Star Wars team wanted me to say hi, Victoria. <laughs> also, um, just a big thank you from all of us because we're still so appreciative of the backing of our HasLab campaigns. We love to build a dream project like that. We're watching for production samples of the ghost and its figures right now, and it's freaking sweet. So awesome. we love to make it. We love that you guys made it possible. Um, big continued thank you from the Star Wars team. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And yeah, I'm super excited for to, to see that play out and finally get the ghost. I uh, don't know where I'm going to put it, but, uh, you know, it's coming. So uh, <laughs> it'll go somewhere miraculous, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, if our listeners would like to follow you online, where could they go? Sure. You can find me on Instagram. I'm at Miss Mellon because of my funny name that sounds like a cantaloupe. And um, yeah, but you can find me there. Probably the most likely place. Awesome. And of course, they can follow Hasbro and Hasbro Pulse for the latest news and, and updates. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Emily, once again, hey, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. I know you're super, super busy, but thank you very much for doing that. And I look forward to the next time we're able to connect through a Q&A or one of the conventions or something. Absolutely. See you at the next con. All right. Bye. Thanks, Victoria. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Vintage Collection Podcast. For the latest TVC news and developments, be sure to keep up with our friends in the community, such as BanthaSkull.com, the SW, the Vintage Collection Facebook group, SWTVC on Instagram, and Bosk's Bounty on YouTube. You can also follow me on the Victoria's Cantina YouTube channel, as well as Victoria's Cantina on Instagram, TikTok, X, Threads, and Facebook. If you can spare a moment or two, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts to help spread word about the show. You can also rate us through other podcast providers. No matter where you're listening out in the galaxy, I'd like to thank you once again for tuning in to the Vintage Collection Podcast. Collect them all, and may the force be with you.